Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Bethany Gilbert and I'm here with Pastor Bob Thune and Pastor Dusty White of Quorum Deo Church. On Wednesdays, we sit down to talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life. And today we're talking about evangelism, politics, and Tim Keller, part two. This is part two of a conversation we recorded a few weeks back. Um, if you haven't listened to part one, you might want to go back and catch that from last week because we're going to continue that conversation um, in one stream now. I think what James Wood is doing is forcing us to ask the question, what does a Christian political theology look like? And it's, it's made me reflect on the fact that I have, I think it is a fair critique, and I'm not blaming Tim Keller, <laughs> but I think... Um, I am like him in the sense that my biggest value is I want people to come to Jesus. And I think it's possible for me to think about all of what I think about politics in light of that. I'm just like, hey, it's not about who wins or who loses. It's about how am I framing the gospel as neither left nor right. But James Wood, I think, is making us ask, but what if, what if the gospel calls us to a certain kind of definitive stance in the world and that's the very thing that we're una- unwilling to do because it feels like not a third way. Um, I, I think it's actually interesting if we use, you know, something like abortion as a litmus test here and just say there's there's probably ways that Christians need to be more convictional on issues like that. And where it feels like in churches like ours, it's kind of like, well, right, there's like a left view of that and there's a right view of that. And we sort of want to say, well, every human being is made in the image of God, but man, sometimes we just get ourselves in political debates if we try to be too political. And, and James is sort of saying, yeah, but what if that's because we're thinking about politics through the lens of evangelism instead of the fact that we're thinking about what the kingdom of God would look like applied to our world? Mm-hmm. And we need to, we might need to be more courageous there and fight for justice because justice is loving our neighbor. Yes. Justice is seeking the good of society. And so there's like, he's saying there's, there's a right ordering of society. This is what, this is basic natural law, right? Like there's things that cause human beings to flourish and there's things that cause them to not flourish. Let's give just simple examples that we know from sociology. Intact families generally lead to the flourishing of societies. Families that break down are generally harmful to society. And so one of the things Christians traditionally care about is trying to keep families intact and trying to fight for and advocate for and help with, you know, family systems and keeping families um, intact. And that's right and good. That's seeking justice in the world. That's seeking the right ordering of society. And I I think that, (laughs) right, it took someone like Trump to kind of like put the dynamite in and blow everything up. But I think what what James Wood is saying is someone like Trump and watching how he has sort of polarized the church, there are certainly the, (laughs) I think what James Wood is saying is I would have only blamed right-winger people for that and saying, well, you just picked a bad candidate. You're willing to compromise with this person who we shouldn't compromise with. And he's saying, maybe there's just as much a problem with people who are unwilling to pick a candidate and get behind him who's imperfect and who is flawed for the sake of seeking some kind of greater good for society. And I think, I guess what I'm saying is, I think people read James Wood's article as about politics or as about Tim Keller or as about Donald Trump when really what James is saying is I'm trying to get us to have a different conversation. I'm trying to get us to have a different conversation about what Christian political action means. Here's his last paragraph, and I think this will get us where we need to go. As an expression of love of neighbor, 
Let us focus on the pursuit of justice in politics rather than on how our political actions might be perceived. Yes, we will disagree on what best serves justice, but let's focus more of our energy on that debate. I think that would be an improvement on the contemporary discourse. I think that's a fair statement. Let's disagree about what best serves justice rather than fighting about whether you voted for the right person or not. Or which is which is really where Christians stay. Yeah. They just take that position. I'm it's interesting, I'm reflecting on a couple things. I actually think his reference to neutral world and negative world is something that we do need to actually consider. I think those I'm not i I'm not fighting for those phrases. I just think he's right about something there. Yeah. That something has changed from the nineties to the early two thousands to two thousand sixteen. He stops at 2014, but yeah. 2016. And I I do think it's interesting. I'm, I'm reflecting on that. I'm also reflecting on the fact that in Nebraska, primarily, making disciples in Nebraska primarily, right here, right now, I think the third way has been appealing to me because of how evangelicalism was. 70s, 80s, 90s had to be Republican. Right. So I think the third way is actually appealing yes. for evangelism, and for discipleship. And so colliding both of those thoughts, it's interesting to think about how that probably need, there needs to be a shift somehow in light of what Wood is saying for both justice and probably evangelism and discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that he's basically saying, okay, uh, you're right. That like in my upbringing, right. It was sort of like Christianity equals Republican. And there's an important, there's an important way that Keller's work in New York city helped to deconstruct that. But Wood is also saying, but what if there are issues where the Christian perspective just does align with one particular party's platform? It doesn't seem like Keller's third way gives us the freedom to say, actually, the Republicans are right on this issue. We should agree with them and vote that way. Or the Democrats are right on this issue. We should agree with them and vote that way. That's the thing that it feels like our tribe is very hesitant to say. Right. And, and generally, I think Wood is right that the hesitancy is on the right. Like, there are people who are left in our church who are unashamed to say, oh, this is how I vote. It's only the people who are, like, right-leaning Republicans in a church like ours who are like, I kind of got to keep my head down here, except for there's a few people that don't. But, I mean, you know, the average person is probably like, if I voted for Trump, don't say that at my gospel community, right? Just, like, just demur. Because there's a sense in which because I think in our history, evangelicalism has been aligned with that. We've tried to separate that. And I think James Wood is asking, but what happens in a moment where that's just actually right? Like what happens on an issue like abortion where it's just like, actually that's an evil moral sin that we should be against. Is anybody willing to say that anymore? Or does it just have to be like, well, there's, and that's what Keller recently did a whole tweet thread on abortion where he really upset a lot of people. Cause he kind of treated it that way of like, Hey, this is, there are different ways of approaching this. And there are a lot of people who just felt like, okay, this is you not willing to say, actually, this is just a moral evil that we should be against in society. Mm-hmm. And granted, there might be different ways of going at how should we heal the wound that's there in society. But I think having the courage to say, that's something that's wrong. The Bible speaks clearly about it. Let's, let's have a conviction about it. Let's not be winsome about it. Right. Let's not try to be winsome and say, well, there's different, you know, there's different approaches to this. Although what's interesting is, as I think as a preacher, right, 
if I'm trying to connect with my city, I actually don't want to probably talk about that from the pulpit because I realize like in the room, there's just a lot of people with a, I, it. Anytime I mention an issue like that, walls go up because people assume yep. what they think I mean. And so I'm always trying to say, look, that's not a conversation for Sunday morning. Here's what we want to talk about, the gospel of Jesus. So I can see both sides of the dilemma that's being painted here. There's, there's a dilemma of what does a local church need to do? What does a Christian need to do as we preach the gospel? But there's also this dilemma of does our, does our third way way of thinking keep us from standing with conviction mm-hmm. in our culture in places where we just need to say, nope, but that's wrong. Sure. You know, and I think more and more we're finding matters in society where it's like, yep, Christians are good. Christians are going to have to have some courage. And sometimes this third wayism keeps us from having the courage that we need to, at least if it does that in my own life. I don't know if I speak for everyone, but it does that for me. Is he, is he, wanting us to kind of like I, I'm thinking about this in terms of like nuance as somebody who loves nuance on, be both. on all things Amen. is he kind of wanting to just be like yeah there are some things where there is no nuance yeah I think he's suggesting that I don't know if he says that explicitly I but. think he's saying but I yeah. would say that yeah you can say that but I think there actually is some nuance still in those things I don't know. Yeah, and I think what he's saying here is if you keep nuancing everything, you're going to lose your backbone. You're, yeah, you're not going to have any convictions. Yeah. And we actually lost it somewhere around 2014 to 16, <laughs> and we need to reckon with that. Well, I right. think he's I think also, like, I think about this a lot. I think he's also saying, where are the issues where we're willing to say, yeah, the the scriptures require Christians to have nuance on this issue. Mm-hmm. But that's a conversation for later. Right now, we just need to fight about it. Because mm-hmm. I think that's where, like, I think every every situation, every issue in society needs nuance. That doesn't mean that it need, needs nuance right now in this moment, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I think it, this is the challenge with every ethical issue or every political issue. Like, think about something like transgenderism, right? I want to think about the human being who's experiencing gender confusion there's a ton of nuance and wisdom that's needed to walk with that person. Mm-hmm. That's a different problem than saying, should we enshrine in our politics the idea that men and women are not givens and that, that right. you can be any gender you want? I think that's actually bad for society to yeah. think that way and to normalize that way of mm-hmm. thinking. But I'm always thinking like you of like, yeah, but what about the person? Like, mm-hmm. how do we walk with a person? So that? one I, is a justice issue and right. one is a... What, what, is a human issue. Right. What Wood would say issue. is, hey, one is a political question. The political question is what kind of society do we want to live in? The pastoral question is how do we walk with human beings? And we, <laughs> I think what it seems like he's saying is Keller's way of thinking has a way of blurring those categories and out of the desire to be winsome, refusing to say, actually, there's truth in this area. And also it's okay if you are a person who isn't convinced of that truth, is confused about what's true, doesn't buy into what's true. That's okay. We still love you and will walk with you. That's different from what I want my kids taught at school, right? And this is a place where I think right now Christianity seems like it's fracturing because you have mm-hmm. um, a lot of, I don't know if the lack of nuance is the right way to say it, but just people who are like, <laughs> I see more and more people in my world who are like, fine. If you're not willing to have new, or if you're not willing to take a stand on this as my pastor, that's fine. Maybe it's your job to be nuanced, but 
here's what I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know? Sure. Um, and I think it's out of a, out of a desire to see social order. And, th- and you're right that there's something about what's crumbling around us when it comes to like social order and social cohesion that people are sensing and feeling and call it whatever you want. But that's what I think people are realizing like, Hey, the, the left quote unquote has no qualms about trying to kick our butt in the culture war. They, they do not want Christians defining what society looks like. Right. Are Christians courageous enough to say, Nope, you're wrong. We think the scriptures should decide what society should look like. And it feels like <laughs> maybe we don't have that courage and maybe we should. Which is interesting because there have been people in the past that have been very courageous. I think this is a fun conversation because I think Wood is saying, y'all need, we need to wake up yeah. because we can't just be winsome. We can't just be charitable because that's actually not loving our neighbor. And the, and the foundational thing I think he's onto is seeing politics through the lens of evangelism versus seeing politics as a different sphere from evangelism. And that's an interesting question to me because I do think it matters whether politics is what he calls the prudential pursuit of justice. Prudential meaning it requires prudence, right? Like if the Supreme Court justice or if the if the Supreme Court draft on Roe versus Wade stands, abortion will be outlawed nationally. Will that end the fight over it? No, it's going the fight's going to be in every state and every locality and people states are going to land differently and people are going to land differently. Like the issue isn't going away. But that decision will affect like nationally what is considered just in our society, right? And what Wood is saying is and that seems like that would be a net win. Of mm-hmm. course it doesn't answer the question of how do people think about this, but it is a question of what's just for society. And those are questions where Christians need to maybe have a little more clarity and courage or where we can't ask the question, how would we do evangelism? We just need to ask the question, what's just and good and right and true? And maybe and maybe Keller, not again, not to put the, the blame on Keller, but maybe the ways that we have learned to think about evangel- politics as a, as a means of evangelism have not helped us to fight in places where we should fight and to have the courage that we should have. And this is, I think, a, a conversation. The question about, like, what is a healthy, robust political theology is probably a conversation that Protestants need to have. And it, that actually Catholics do much better than us here. They have a, they have a whole um, sort of social doctrine that I think is more developed than we are because we tend to only think in terms of evangelism of, like, well, how can I win you over to the gospel? Which is a good question. But more importantly, we should be asking the question, what kind of society do we want to live in? Yeah, but hold on. What's interesting about what you just said is, isn't Christ, <laughs> this is crazy that I'm about to say this, if Christ is actually supreme and the mediator of the main covenant, uh, the co- only covenant that matters, as we talked about last week or weeks ago, um, if that's the main aim, why would we put politics on just barely a shelf underneath that? Because politics concerns the just ordering. It's, it's how we love our neighbor. Right. So yeah. to go back it's to how we love our neighbor, but at the same time, the gospel is still supreme yes. and the main thing. Yes. So at some point, but I'm going to have to just fight for that well, no matter what. Yes, but the existential question for all of us is this, to go back to Bethany's question about nuance, right? Do I love my neighbor by being the most nuanced person possible? Or do I love my neighbor by ensuring 
the most ordered society possible? And the question is, well, it depends on how we're defining neighbor. Sure. If I'm thinking of the person who I know disagrees with me, I care about nuance because I want to win that person over. If I'm thinking about what world I want my grandkids to grow up in and who are my neighbors in that sense, I might care a lot more about society, right? Because So I think what Wood is saying is we've tended to think about loving our neighbor even in ways that are evangelistic instead of thinking about loving our neighbor in ways mm-hmm. that are rightly ordering yeah, society. Sure, sure, sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and I think that's a... I don't know that there's... I don't know what the answer is to that question, but I think it's the right question to be asking. I think there's a need for Christians to think more about <laughs> the, like, what does it mean to love my neighbor by pursuing a just society and by fighting over what justice looks like? Because maybe that's the fight we should be having, you know? I'm worried that people use, I, I don't think he is making, or he's saying this at all, but I'm worried that people will kind of use like what he said to be a jerk about it. Too. <laughs> I'm sure people will. Sure. Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Well, and you can't be a jerk and walk in the fruit of the spirit. Yeah, but I, what I think is interesting is, I I think everybody's, a, <laughs> social media has made us all jerks, so let's not be that yeah, way. That's true. For real, man. But I think to David French's thing, right? Like like David French is saying, yeah, when I was pro-life in law school, people thought I was a jerk. Like people, people mm. would have opposed me strenuously mm-hmm. and sort of outcast me. And so I think that's the question is like, I don't want to be a jerk in terms of like, I want the Lord to smile on how I treat my neighbor. Right. I want to treat a person with dignity and respect yeah. and honor. But also, I, I hope I have the courage to like, have people think I'm a jerk. I can charitably right. have conviction. And that's the, the language of winsomeness is interesting because I think you're getting at the tension, Bethany, is like, I might not be a jerk, but Holly might still feel like I'm being a jerk. Mm-hmm. But that might, that might not be, right? You see what I'm saying? Like, the problem is, does winsomeness mean before the Lord I have a clear conscience in how I've acted? Or does winsomeness mean everybody else in my life feels like I'm winsome? And if that's what it means, that's a pretty losing battle. There are people who are never, I think what he's saying, to go back to the negative world thing, he's saying we now live in a world where there's no way that everybody in your life is going to think you're winsome simply because you're a Christian. They're going to be like, well, if you're a Christian, then guess what? You are not We're done with you. (laughs) And so that is an interesting, like putting the- We've seen that happen in our own lives. Yeah, putting the category on winsomeness is interesting because it sort of makes me ask like, yeah, I, the category is actually, the category should be, living with integrity before the Lord and before others, you mm-hmm. know, because Daniel in the lion's den is a good example, right? I might be honoring the Lord and actually make the king so angry that he tries to kill me. But Daniel was honored as one who was righteous, you know. So yeah, that's the challenge. Wood says, a church obsessed with appearing winsome will be tempted to over-accommodate the culture's negative propaganda against Christian moral principle. This will fail our neighbors. Yeah, exactly. And the challenge is like, I feel, I think I feel this, and Bethany and Holly, you guys can speak to this because you're like a younger generation than me, but I feel this of like, I've kind of created a church where like to say anything definitive about what the family should look like is risky business. You know, like if you say, hey, um, a marriage is between one man and one woman. I know if I say that from the pulpit, I'm going to make some people mad. I know that most people in our church would like, probably think that's the biblical vision, but might hesitate to say that out loud in a gospel community, right? Because there are people who might be offended by that. 
And I just think that's what, that's what James Wood is getting at. It's like, hey, if we can't say God designed us male and female, and that's the right structure for a family, if we can't say that with bold conviction, as convictionally as we would say, there's one God in three persons, I'm not sure that we're, <laughs> I'm not sure we're being winsome. I think we might just be being cowardly. And that's, this is the debate I think the church needs to have better because I, I think I am guilty of, of trying to, out of a desire to be winsome or nuanced, maybe failing to have convictional clarity on what's good for us. What kind of world do I want my grandkids to grow up in? Do I want them to grow up in a world where everything around them teaches them that they can be anything they want to be? Or do I want them to grow up in a world that there are some givens and we hold to those things as just like right and true and foundational to the right ordering of society. We are in the era of the negative world. Wow. And we can't, I mean, we just, I think what's, I think the most, one of the most helpful things about this whole thing for me, maybe because I'm slow, is just waking up to the, the reality of the negative world. Yeah. So and you're, so you're, you like Ren's category of negative world, huh? Well, well I, you're I, saying it names something. It names something. And I like, I think that's actually a helpful category. No longer is everything going to be charitable. So I think Wood's points here are pretty mm-hmm. helpful because I think if I'm just going to err on winsomeness and a, a subtle, quiet courage, which I, st- I still think Christians are going to need, yeah. there's also going to be need for a verbal, outspoken courage. Hmm. Holly, what do you got over there? What are you thinking? <laughs> I'm thinking personally, uh, just in my generation and... Um, growing up in the evangelical church in the 90s and 2000s and now um, 28 years old, I do feel like the two categories of political and um, the category of how do we love our neighbor by fighting for justice as a society and then the separate personal evangelical conversation is actually super helpful (laughs) Um, because I think especially social media has muddied the water so much of so much of what we see on TikTok or so much we see on, you know, newsreels or just all of the things that at least kids and young adults are being inundated with is if you're not X, Y, and Z, you are this and you are wrong. And so I feel like having those two categories of um, I can vote and I can have political theology that um, if I'm truly a follower of Christ and see what the Bible says is good and true um, and is the right way to order society, that I can use my vote um, to model that and to be courageous and bold in having conversations with other Christians who agree or disagree with me about the nuance of what that looks like and how we help with our mercy ministries or how we help with, um, you know, the causes that we support or things like that. Um, but to have those two separate categories of the political and then the evangelical of like, how do I treat my neighbor personally, the person that is my neighbor that, um, you know, is living a different lifestyle or questioning different things. And that nuanced area is really helpful because I think so much of just the anxiety I feel in my twenties trying to figure this out is, um, a lot of people use the word hypocrite in that way. Mm. If you, um, you know, I mean, you see all the time, even just this week with, with gun control, if you're the party Mm. of pro-life, how, you know, gun control, like by putting those two against each other and putting political parties in, in that way, um, 
is hard. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, how do I, I think that those are worth fighting for those conversations of how do I use my vote to love my neighbor and make more just order. And at the same time, love people personally and, um, winsomely. Um, cause I do think it's created an issue where we don't have a backbone cause we're not given those, those freedoms on both sides, I guess. Mm, that's interesting. Bethany, any closing thoughts? No, I just have more questions. <laughs> yeah, for real. The wheels are spinning. Could practically could this look like voting for a candidate that is maybe not of your party because you find that their ideas are for the good of society about you know X, Y, or Z. Um, I feel like, especially in Nebraska, yeah. that's just something people don't have a category for. Yeah. I just don't, I don't know a lot of people because I feel like that's kind of what James is saying is like, it, this requires a lot of thought and intentionality and a lot of, it's not as simple as, well, I think the Bible aligns with, uh, Republican or a conservative worldview, so I'm only going to vote Republican. I just, I don't think, right. I don't buy that. And I kind of am getting the sense that that's what he's saying. He's like, yeah, it might not align like that. And you'll have to like think about that and do the work to, I don't know, maybe get out of that way of thinking or untrain yourself for that way of thinking. Yeah, it's interesting. I think you're right. Um, I don't know if that's what James is saying or what he's not saying, but I think it's certainly one of the implications here is not only, I, I think w what I was thinking as you were talking was we tend to think in terms of like, I, I'm voting for this candidate because he aligns with my views or she aligns with my views or kind of how I would think if I were in office or how I want to be represented. But if we ask the question, what is the just ordering of society? And does this candidate seem to advance that or not? Like, are, are the policies they're going to put in place going to advance that or not? That's a different question. And mm -hmm. I think he's saying if Christians would learn to ask that question, that might have different implications for how we think about what our vote means and doesn't mean. And, right. how, and yeah, mm -hmm. how we support or don't support different candidates. Right. A lot to talk about. Maybe we'll have to do a second podcast Man. on this. We'll get hey. James here for that. Yeah, we should. <laughs> James, if you're out there listening to the Wednesday conversation, we'd love to put you on the phone and make you defend why you evolved on Tim Keller or, or, uh, or help us think about this in fuller ways. Um, and Hey, really fun to be a part of a, a church that, uh, has connections to folks like this that are doing thoughtful work in the world and helping us think better. So, um, thanks for the articles. Also want to mention to the listeners, we're back every week now. Wow. Oh yeah. The Wednesday we conversation is going back to every week. If you made it this far, if you made it this far, <laughs> We, we did a six-month experiment with every other week. And generally what we heard from people was like, yeah, it's, it's fine, but I actually... Don't you think the people that made it this far in this particular episode are actually excited about being back every week? Yeah, they're like, cool, you're going to do this again next week. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to come back uh, to every week. And so... Send us more snacks. Send us more snacks. The goal of this podcast is to equip our own church for discipleship and mission. So if you're a Christian or a church leader in another context, we thank you for listening in. And we pray that this conversation might be helpful to you as you minister in your context. We always love to hear from listeners. So if you have thoughts, questions, or future podcast topics, send an email to podcast at cdomaha.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Wednesday Conversation.